Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. Well, it looks like the storm, uh, at least the more severe part of it, has passed us, and for that we are grateful, but we pray for those who are in the path of that. We know that's gonna continue on through the day. You know, Easter is often for us one of these kind of crazy and chaotic days. I remember a particular Easter in my life. Um, I was much younger, it was probably about 15 years ago or so, and I was living in Bossier City at the time, and while we were there, uh, a few days prior to Easter, my husband had gotten a bit sick, and as the days went on, he got sicker and sicker with some virus that we had never really heard of, and it made him really, really sore in his muscles, and it got to a point where he couldn't even move his fingers without being in tremendous pain. And so about three or four in the morning, on Easter morning, it became clear that he was going to need to go to the hospital. Now the problem, of course, is that it was Easter Sunday morning, and I was a pastor, and I had three services, starting with the sunrise service and going on from there, and so was able to get him in the car, and we rolled up into the ER. I kind of shoved him out a bit into a wheelchair, gave him a kiss on his cheek, and said, the sun is rising, baby. I got to go, but I'll be back to check on you in between the services. Not my best moment as a wife, uh, but I just felt kind of this tremendous pressure at the time to be a part of what was happening that Sunday morning over at church. Good news is, he's fine. The kids that were born after are glad he is fine. You know, Easter can be that way sometimes. We're running around, we're doing all of this, we're trying to get everybody dressed, everybody looking spit and polished and here on time. But this Easter is a little bit different There's a very different rhythm to the craziness this year. You know, it's Easter morning, and I am standing in an almost empty room. I don't think that any of us envisioned on Ash Wednesday that that is how this day was gonna go. I think if we had known that our last time to worship together for a while was on March 1st, maybe we would have paid a little bit more attention maybe appreciated what was right in front of us. I imagine the church would have been full that day because we wanted to experience that last time of worship for a while to give us strength for this new journey that we were about to be on. But that's never the way that life is, is it? Warnings of major changes are really rare. And even when we get them, we often don't even believe they're true until it has already happened. I think about the resurrection story in the book of Matthew, how the angel told the women, Jesus is not here. He has risen just as he said that he would. And then if you read in the Gospel of Luke, Luke takes it a little further and the angel says to the women this, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? 
He said, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and rise on the third day. In other words, the angel was saying to them, Jesus said this and you weren't listening. How many times have you heard that in your life? Don't you ever listen to me? Haven't I already said that like 20 times? I'm not gonna say it again. If you're married to me, you probably hear that a lot. You know, we hear, it seems at times, what we wanna hear. And we don't hear what we don't wanna hear. And sometimes we only hear it when we want to or when we're ready to hear it. And so I wonder if that's how the Easter story is for us sometimes. We've heard it and heard it and heard it And so maybe we stop listening. We turn it out a little bit. And we miss so much of the beauty and the subtle nuance that happens in each of the ways that the gospel writers tell the story. I think as churches, we get caught sometimes in the trap of thinking that we have to make a bigger and bigger production out of Easter, or people won't come, or people won't listen. But maybe this year, is an invitation to rethink that, to recognize the power that is in the word that has nothing to do with any of us. The truth that is before us that is true, whether we come together or we don't. Lindsay Hurd said it beautifully yesterday in her Easter reflection, and I wanna share some of her words. She wrote this, as Easter draws near, I've been wanting to write something something that is meaningful and moving and powerful during this unusual time as we celebrate the most important day to the life of a follower of Christ. The more I thought about writing, she said, the more I felt I had nothing new or creative to say in regards to the resurrection of my Savior. And that is okay. What more do we need to say than the truth of the good news? And then she says in closing, God is teaching me, that it's not my place to come up with new things. It is my place to proclaim the truth of who he is and what he has done for us to the world. Isn't that beautiful? So in the absence of something new this morning, in a new era perhaps of simplicity, I wanna tell you the story. The story from the perspective of the Gospel of John. Now in this story, It is just Mary Magdalene that is there at the tomb, Mary alone. None of the other women have joined her as they did in Luke and in Matthew. And it begins like this with some of my favorite scripture words as it relates to the Easter story. It was early in the morning. Now y'all know about early morning, although with the disruption of time and space right now in our lives, Maybe some of you haven't been getting up as early as you normally do, but think back if that's you. Early morning before anybody else gets up, when the birds are so loud, even in the darkness, when the dew is still on the grass, when no one else is awake but you. I woke up this morning about 5 a.m. and that's how it was. The storm had not yet come in, And the birds were so loud. I couldn't see them, of course, because it was dark. But no one in my house was awake. 
It was just me in the coffee pot early in the morning. It was before the first light of dawn that Mary begins to make this journey. You know, she had to wait to go to the tomb because during Passover, she wasn't allowed to go or during Sabbath, you weren't allowed to be present with a dead body. And so she's been waiting. She's been waiting to go and to anoint his body, her final act of love. I can't imagine how long those three days felt to her Three impossibly long days. You see, Mary, she'd been with Jesus all the way. She had seen lives made new. She'd seen bodies healed. She'd sat at his feet a thousand times and listened to him teach. He was her whole world. She was there when he died. When everyone else ran away, she and some of the other women stood close to his feet at the cross and watched him when he took his last breath. Her heart is so heavy and her soul is still dark. And she goes to him. And she doesn't think about the dangers of a woman traveling alone in the darkness. She goes compelled by her great love for him. Rabboni, her beloved teacher, the one who some say healed her of seven demons. She needs to be near him. And so early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb and sees that the stone has been removed. And her mind starts to race, and she knows immediately something is wrong. And I'm sure she is devastated by that. I remember one year, there was a family in our church, and we had a little graveyard next to the church over in Walker. And they came to the graveside of their loved one and someone in the night had come and they had knocked down the headstone and they had stolen the the vases that were attached to the headstone. And it was this devastation to this family, this desecration of the space that had been somewhat holy, a resting place for their loved one and it just added to the grief. And so this is Mary, she gets there and the stone is gone and, and she doesn't know what has happened. She goes and she, she doesn't know what to do. She just stares at it and so then she decides in her grief she's gonna go and she's gonna get Peter and so she takes off and she runs and she goes and finds him and she tells him what she has seen. And so Peter and the other disciple, they start racing towards the place where they laid Jesus' body. And there's that interesting side note about one disciple outrunning the other. I'm not really sure why that is there but it is interesting nonetheless. And so they get there and they see it is just as she has said and they look inside the cave and they realize all that is left is the linen cloth that his body was wrapped in. And then it says that they believed. I don't think up until that point they had really understood what it was that Jesus was saying and and maybe even in that moment they still don't get it. And then they do this thing, the two disciples, they leave They return to their homes and they leave Mary sitting there, crying. You know, all she really wanted were just a few more moments with him, an opportunity to really say goodbye and the trauma of what happened before she didn't have that chance. I have been haunted a little bit lately about the news reports that talk about those who are sick and dying alone in the hospitals because they don't have their families gathered around them. 
And then thinking about the funerals, our rituals, the way in which we say goodbye to others, how those have been put on hold. Just this week, um, we had, my stepmother had two cousins who died and couldn't go to either of their funerals because of the restrictions. And it just added this deeper layer of grief. These women that she had grown up with, she didn't feel like she could properly say goodbye to them. And so this is Mary. She's stuck in this place of of wanting to hold him one more time, to see him and be near him, but he's gone. And it says when she goes into the tomb, she sees these two angels in there. And it's really curious to me that she doesn't even react. Now, if you've ever been in that deep grief space, you know why she doesn't. She has been deeply traumatized and she's numb. And so she doesn't even really notice them. You know, in Matthew, it talks about how the two guards saw the angels and they were so frightened that they became like dead people. They froze, but Mary, nothing. And they ask her this question, like, why are you weeping? And she wants to know where they have put his body. I hear it in my head as her being angry and frustrated and beyond sad. And then it says she turns around and standing there is Jesus. But again, she's in this fog and she doesn't even recognize him. And he asks her that same question, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And again, she goes into that speech about what she is doing, but she still doesn't recognize him until he calls her by her name. He says, Mary. And in the moment he says her name, she sees him. I think about people in my own life that I'm very close to, whose voices I recognize above all other voices. Maybe you have those people too. You know, when I am around my children, even if they're in a crowd and they say, Mama, I know their voices and I know it's them. I recognize that name. Or when my dad calls me, he calls me Lucy. And sometimes he calls me Lou. And he can say that anywhere, even at an LSU football game. And I know it, I hear it, and it gets my attention instantly. And this is that connection that Mary has with Jesus. So when he calls her by name, she knows the sound of his voice, and instantly she calls him rabbi, and she reaches to grab hold of him, and it's this beautiful and powerful moment. But then he says, don't touch me. In this time in which we have been told not to touch one another, to stay far away, I hear those words in a way I never did before, and I think about the tremendous loss of touch. You know, touch is such an important part of our lives as human beings. It's a thing which can calm a person down. It is that which helps a person to feel loved and cherished. There is a great power in touch. There's even a healing element to it. Jesus knows this. Jesus often healed people through the power of his touch. And so when he says that to Mary, it feels a little off-putting. Don't touch me. And you have to wonder, what is he saying? 
Well, different interpretations offer it in different ways. So sometimes it's interpreted, stop hanging on me. Stop clinging to me. And then there is that other that says, you have to let me go. And so through the years, as people have debated about what this means exactly, I read something recently that said, it's really a reminder to Mary that something has changed. Jesus was not resuscitated. Jesus was resurrected. And that means that he is not just present to her, but he is now present to all of creation in that moment and in every moment beyond that day. Now for us who are here all these years later, that is the most powerful statement of all. It means that because he has been resurrected, he is also present with us here today. It means that in those moments when people were crossing from this life to the next, they were not alone. Christ was with them as well. His spirit is very much alive and continues to be. And there is great power and joy in that. You know, on this very odd Easter, in the middle of a pandemic, I find this incredibly helpful. You know, this is our big day. We want to worship in our crowded churches. We wanted to go to Sunday school maybe this morning. If you're in the choir, maybe you wanted to have the big choir breakfast. We wanted to see everybody all dressed up and ooh and awe over their clothes. And look at the pretty flowers all around us. We wanted to offer handshakes and hugs. We wanted to welcome back people who hadn't been here in a very long time. But we can't do this. But it is still Easter. And maybe this Easter is the invitation to discern the truth of what it all means anyway. It was never about any of those fancy trappings. It was never about the ability even to come together in one common space. We are still invited, wherever we are, to celebrate. Though we are in separate locations, there is a spirit that binds us in a way that is powerful. And we can get so caught up in what isn't that we miss what actually is. And that is the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is true in this room and across town, and across the miles. It was true over 2,000 years ago, and it is still true today. Do know, I hold you in my heart. I miss all of you. I look forward to the day when we can see one another again, when we can be gathered as the body of Christ in all of our churches all around the world. But until that day comes, Hear the good news for you, that though we are apart, there is nothing in life or death that shall ever separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. I wanna close with a poem by Jan Patterson. On Ash Wednesday, I actually read one of her poems then, and so I find it a good way to kind of do this bookend thing for our time of Lent. And this is how it goes, it's called Risen. If you're looking for a blessing, 
Do not linger here. Here is only emptiness, a hollow, a husk where a blessing used to be. The blessing was not content in its confinement. It could not abide its isolation, the unrelenting silence, the pressing stench of death. So if it is a blessing that you seek, open your mouth and fill your lungs with air. And then this morning, release it with a cry. And hear how the blessing breaks forth in your own voice, how your own lips form every word you ever dreamed to say. See how the blessing circles back again, wanting you to repeat it louder, how it draws you and pulls you and sends you to proclaim its only word, risen, risen, risen. Go and tell the others what more do we need to say than the truth of the good news? Let us pray. Gracious God, you call our names again this morning and we hear you. We hear you above all the noise around us and we turn to you and you remind us that you are here for us. Even if your physical presence is not one that we can touch, we have something even better and that is your spirit which you have left with us which you have allowed to come into the hearts and lives of all of your people to empower us, to strengthen us, to give us a voice that maybe we never had before. God, I thank you for your death on the cross. I thank you for your willingness, your courage to die a sinner's death so that we might experience resurrection with you. I thank you, God, that we are a people who know truly that nothing can separate us from your love and we can live in the strength and power of that. May we go from this place, O God, renewed and strengthened, go from our homes, go online, wherever we find ourselves and proclaim your mighty name. It is in the powerful name of the resurrected Christ we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.